This is Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical or theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Today's question comes from Jordan, and he and I emailed back and forth a little bit, so I'm just going to kind of paraphrase some of his questions. But he basically, he's kind of concerned about the lack of oversight for non-denominational churches. It sounds like that's where he attends right now, and he says that they are teaching the Bible, but it concerns him compared to a PCA church or an Anglican church, which of course have all of this structure and oversight for these churches. And he, you know, understands that having elders is part of that non-denom, usually the accountability and authority. And then he also had this follow-up that I know where we want to really land. He's thinking that attending like a PCA church or an Anglican church gives you some sort of institutional unity. And isn't there something important to attending and being a member of a church body that's truly unified. Right, right. It's actually a thoughtful question. I would say in 40-plus years, this is not new. Even in seminary, we talked a lot about the benefits of oversight beyond a local body. Mm-hmm. You went to Dallas Theological mm-hmm. Seminary. Mm-hmm. Was that mostly non-denominational folks? Because if you're Anglican, you're going to an Anglican seminary, yes. right? And you won't be able to be positioned in those churches if, if you, you don't have go to the their right seminary. seminary. Right, yeah. right. I think when I went, there were under 20 denominational. Bap- yeah, I was going to say, I guess a lot of Baptists are probably yeah. there too. Baptist, Presbyterians, some of them. The Bible church movement was pretty big in those days. Some of the fundamentalists, IFCA, GERB, it depended that they were a little at risk doing that because they might not mainstream in their own sure. churches. Now, of course, it's so, I bet so 40. tons of denominations. And okay. when I was at okay. Moody, there were over 48 denominations wow. of students at Moody. So, okay. anyway, I always like to go back to Acts chapter two. Yeah. When Jesus Christ inaugurates the church, Pentecost, we have 13 dialectus, Parthians, Scythians, Medes, are all you know speaking their own language. And the birth of the church is authenticated by the gift of tongues, which there was dialectus, mm-hmm. language. Yep. So you're speaking German, I'm Italian. Italian. I mm-hmm. can hear Italian when you speak. When I speak, you hear, I German. hear German. So yep. that was really the miracle. That church, in very short order, has trouble. Sure. By Acts chapter 6, there's infighting with the Hellenistic Jews, yeah. Greek-speaking Jews, and we might say the real Jews. Right. <laughs> and the widows are being neglected and there's, you know, this it's almost like who gets to sit where? Right. Human beings. I know. And so the apostles no set <laughs> up what we call deacons, which I don't think technically they were at that point, but they set up faithful men. Stephen is the one who leads the list mm-hmm. to wait on tables and distribution. And this wasn't just, you know, taking it from the the kitchen to the, this is an organization of how food was distributed to thousands of people. We think about a guy just carrying a plate of food. No, this was organizing meal preparation, where the food's coming from, who gets how much based on household. It was involved, but it's a fight. Mm. Acts 15, we've got a bigger fight. It's called the Jerusalem Council. And think about this. These are the apostles. And now Paul and Barnabas are out cheering Christ, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the most part of the earth. Okay. They're doing that outline of Acts. They're planting churches. People are coming to Christ. Cornelius in chapter 10 is a Gentile. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gospel is going beyond the Jew. Basically, the mother church says, come home. We hear you're letting Gentiles trust in Jesus, and they're not Jewish enough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there's a big confab. 
And you can almost see Barnabas and Paul getting this letter going, really? Yeah. We got to come off the field to go home and answer right. for what we're and doing. And convince you that yeah. we're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> and, and at the end of the council, they come back with, what you're doing is okay, but tell those people to abstain from fornication and immorality and yeah, eating yeah, meat yeah. sacrificed to idols. What? Now, yeah. context is huge. We can't go down that rabbit hole. But what is interesting from a principle level, the church began with internal fighting and trouble. So depressing. Jerusalem, yeah. Well, <laughs> sinful people. And the Jerusalem Council, these are the apostles and first century disciples. Yeah. Paul, when he writes the pastorals, is correcting Corinth and Thessalonica, and the folks at Philippi get a, a pretty good, you know, report card, if yeah. you will. Ephesus, yeah. you know, it is half good, half not so good. So within the first century, there's infighting. Mm. Now, let's make a huge jump forward and let's go to <laughs> the great schism in church history okay. where Western Christianity, as we would call it, and Eastern. Yep. Let's go on the Western top of the chart. Yep. Protestantism is all the Catholic Church, and now it's going to have this great schism. And then we can think about guys like Ambrose and Erasmus and, of course, Augustine, mm -hmm. and these aren't necessarily in chronological order, but these church fathers mm -hmm. become these huge voices they're all factions. Right, right. People love to talk about the Reformation and the Reformed years. Luther, Calvin, Zwingli, Melanchthon all had very they different views on things. All disagreed on stuff, yeah. Big time. Yeah. And so there's not this unified mm -hmm. church that everybody got along in the Reformation. Right. And they were trying to reform the Catholic Church. That was in principle what mm -hmm. was going on, indulgences, whether the Lord's Supper was the Eucharist, transubstantiation, right. some of these subset issues. But my point is, not to sound defeatist, there's nothing new. Yeah. So we're fallen people in a fallen context trying to worship God. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. I look at today and the number of what we would call evangelical, fundamental, Bible-believing churches that uh -huh. disagree on all kinds of things. Right. So it's really hard to say, you know, would a governing authority besides local elders make it better? Right, or create any kind of unity. It was over 40 years ago in seminary this question came up because Dallas Seminary avoided any ecclesiology, meaning they didn't say this was how you should run a church. Interesting. Professors had their leanings. Their own opinions. When I attended Trinity Fellowship, when your mom and I were there, it was a elder rule church. Mm -hmm. There were seven men. This is the way it's going to be. Yeah. No vote, no congregational opinion, no mm -hmm. input. Now, they listened, sure. but they made decisions. Yeah. Every church I've been involved with had some you know, elders, congregational vote, Votes, plus yeah. elders, yeah. majority, unanimity. Right. They're all flawed. Right. And I remember Dwayne Lipman once saying, you can have the best polity and the wrong people and have a disaster. Yikes. You can have the worst polity and good people and have a good church. Yeah. So I think it's a bit of an illusion and grass is greener that when we have a problem in any structure, if they had an organization above them, right. it'd be better. Case maybe, in point. Maybe, maybe not. A friend of mine is in a, a Presbyterian church. So there's the session, yep. local body. Yep. There is the presbyter, mm -hmm. which is over like a diocese, if you will, mm -hmm. and then the general assembly. Mm-hmm. He was, let's say, called on the carpet. Mm -hmm. The session did some things. They kicked it over to an audit. 
They came in, said everything's fine. The session didn't like the audit. They kicked it up to the presbyter. The presbyter got involved and came in and said, he's on indefinite leave. That's been going on for probably a year. Wow. It could go to the General Assembly. But then you ask yourself, if you're the pastor who's the target of all this, there's no win. Right. Everybody's losing. Right. Do you leave? Do you fight? I don't know how to answer that question for anyone else. The idea that a board above a board of a board is going to be better on paper, maybe, but yeah. there's still personalities. There's still strong opinions. Right. There's still traditional memories. Right. I knew that church when. Right. You, you can't separate that. Yeah. There's no blind justice when it comes to church politics. Right. Right. So I go back to Litvin, best polity, wrong people, the wrong polity, good yeah. people. Yeah. Unfortunately, we're sinful people. I used to have a book on the denominations in America, mm-hmm. and at one time there were over 700. I bet it's in the thousands now. Yeah. Yeah. So this ain't going to be solved by a form of government. Right. Lastly, I want to take a little sidebar on the unity of the faith and the unified body he talks about. Uh Ephesians 4.13 says, until we all attain the unity Mm. of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. That's connected back to chapter 4, verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Uh Uh-huh. So the unity of faith isn't all these churches get along. Right. It's do we understand there's one Lord, one faith, yes. and one baptism. And baptism isn't mode there, it's identification. Right. So that, I think, is the what that passage is talking about. There'll never be a unified church body mm. on the planet until Christ comes back mm-hmm. and is over his church, literally. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at Revelation, the seven churches. Right. They all get a report card, if you will. So none of them are unified. So there's an illusion. Now, the practical part of this. Yes. What church do you go to? Right. (laughs) Yeah. And how do you live? And on some hope. (laughs) Well, yeah, but you have to understand, for Cindy and me, there are non-negotiables. Sure. I can't go to a church that holds this because I'm going to be unhappy. I don't want to go in there and fight. That's not my place to go change a church. But I have to be able to be engaging and worshiping part of it, mm-hmm. give my money, mm-hmm. support the leaders. Yeah. That's important. Yeah, I think Cindy and I will stand before God in the stewardship of our money mm-hmm. and how we gave. Mm-hmm. That's hugely important to your mom and me. Are there tensions? Always. Yeah. Now, I have acquaintances that they're doing everything right, yeah. and their church is on the up and up. Bless God. Yeah. Bless God. Yeah. I've never been at that church. <laughs> Sinful people are in leadership. Sinful pastors open their mouths for a living. So you have to decide what are the non-negotiables and then pray. Now, here's the real problem. We don't live necessarily near good churches. Yeah, There may not be a healthy church. Mm -hmm. Streaming is good and bad. Online church is good and bad and travesty. Now, if you're an invalid. Right. If you can't get to physically get to church, I think streaming's amazing. Pandemic helped a lot of people that were sick. Unfortunately, all this technology has created some ethical problems for us. At the end of the day, you and I would hope your spouse are prayerful, are intelligent, read the statement of faith, ask some hard questions. I'm struck over the membership interviews I did. Very few people ask hard questions. Mm -hmm. And if they did, it was like, well, I was baptized as an infant, and y'all don't accept that. (laughs) 
You know, that was the kind of stuff we got into. Or I, Where I did you do in membership tunnels. interviews? Grand Prairie? Uh, Manual and Grand Prairie. Manual, really? Yeah. Wow. Manual had a robust membership process. Wow. I loved it. Even as it was like 7,000 people. Well, that, wow. that's why how we many, only had like you... 800 members. Oh, but you got to vote as a member. Yep. And so, okay. And then you okay. had to have a, you okay. know, and also we pulled for membership for teachers. I need to know what they believe. Yeah. For Sunday school teachers. You got to read the Constitution. Yeah. You got to sign off on it. Yeah, you that makes have, sense. You know, people that come in and want to change things. Yeah. And then why you let that Sunday school teacher talk about the church doesn't hold that view. Yeah. So it's a dance. And we had a pretty good way. It was complicated. But to say, look, for example, maybe you hold to a prayer language mm-hmm. and you've been doing that all your life. Yeah. I'm not yeah. going to, you know, beat you with a hammer. Yeah. I'm going to ask you, yeah. can you, when someone says, I believe in tongues or I believe in a prayer language, Microphone. What are you going to say to that person? Uh-huh. I do too. Mm-hmm. Or as a leader, are you going to say, you know, our church, doctrine. Emmanuel Bible yeah. Church, holds this position? Yeah. So the question is, can you live under that and be supportive of that, mm-hmm. or are you going to come in and that's going to be a problem for right. you? Right. Right. Now, if you can do that with integrity, which I think people can, yeah. great. Yeah. And we had very few problems, but it took that careful. Yeah, that teaching makes sense. That's and going through it saying, I need you to sign here uh-huh. that I will support the doctrine of the church uh-huh. and defend the faith. Yeah. I don't have to be angry about it. Right, right. I don't have to get up in your And grill. if I don't want to, I don't have to attend 100%. here. Or I don't have to be a member, but 100%. I can be a faithful attender. Yeah. And we yeah. had a lot of those yeah. that would go through the process and say, well, I hold to this. Yeah. I hold to that. Great. We, we love, love you. We love you. We want you here. And you know what? The rest of the church provides a ministry yeah. to missions to students to yeah. you know, homeless there's a lot of good going on in that church yeah. so it's a dance i hate to use that word but it is and you know we're all going to stand before god what we did with our stewardship of time talent ministry and abilities and i want to be aligned with a church that is you know got these certain non-negotiables sure. so all right. Well, we went way over time. Did we? I'm sorry. That's all right. Not sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> if you've got a question for Dr. E, call us, text us, email us. The info is in your show notes. Ask Dr. E is produced by me, Hannah Seymour, mixed and mastered by Sonomorphic, and music composed by Jason Germain. 